Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, uh, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and today, for today's uh, episode, I'm joined by Michelle and Jackie. Michelle, how are you tonight? Good. As you can see, I got really prepared. I'm really excited about the concept of robes coming back. It's my favourite thing. Yeah, I mean, like, considering Julian's coming back after the Oscars when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and what I would say effectively challenged him to a duel, that's obviously, like, the movie that we're covering tonight. It's just watching that slap over and over and over again. No, <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> um, Jason will tell you what we're actually covering, but if you are watching on YouTube, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're changing things up. Uh, you know, this week we're usually we're doing a movie based on a sport, but this week we are doing a sport based on a movie or more so a series of books to begin with. And that series of books is the Harry Potter series. So we'll just run into a bit about the Harry Potter series. It concerns a wizard called Harry Potter. Um, he is the boy who lived um, and basically the seven book series, eight uh, movie you know series as well follows Harry after learning that he is in fact a wizard and he uh, attends Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry the stories tell of him overcoming dangerous obstacles to defeat the dark wizard Lord Voldemort who killed his parents when Harry was 15 months old um, and yeah basically just tells the story of Harry and uh, you know how he defeats Lord Voldemort in the end um, but the reason why we are looking at this particular series as well is because it, the Harry Potter series does contain a sport within it that was made up for the uh, purpose of the books and purpose of uh, the Wizarding World, and that is the sport of Quidditch. A bit of a backstory into what Quidditch is. It's a Wizarding sport played on broomsticks. Um, it's likened by one of the characters in Harry Potter, Rubius Hagrid, as the equivalent um, you know, to football or soccer um, in terms of yeah, the sport and how it's played and um, just basically the passion um, of the fans as well, which we definitely will get into uh, as we talk about how it's sort of perceived in the series overall. Um, but there is seven players on each team. The object of the game is to score more points than your opponents, obviously. Um, there are different uh, balls that, um, you know, you need to used to throw off your opponents or score goals as well. Um, you know, there's upright three upright posts at either end. Um, so, um, so Quidditch is played on an oval-shaped pitch with a scoring area at each end, consisting of three hooped goal posts, each at a different height. Um, so, as I said, there were seven players consisting of three chasers, two beaters, a keeper, and a seeker. The job is the, of the chaser is to keep possession of the quaffle, which is passed between the players and is the um, ball that is used to score goals by throwing it through one of the opponent's three hoops, um, which are being defended by a keeper who's ideally um, trying to block the goals. Uh, meanwhile, both players from each teams are attacked by the bludgers. There's two of those. They're jet black balls made of iron and they fly around violently in a violent uh, sort of method trying to knock players off their brooms. Um, and it's the beater's job to defend the teammates from the bludgers with wooden clubs that they hold while riding around on those uh, broomsticks and finally the role of the seeker is to catch the golden snitch this is a small golden ball 
um, approximately the size of a walnut. So very small um, and it is winged and enchanted um, in the hope. Or, and it is enchanted and uh, due to that, it does hover around, dart around, fly around the pitch um, at, uh, you know, breathtaking speeds really. Um, and only the most keen eye people can take it, such as the job of the seeker who have, a, have an eye for seeing it um, pop up. Um, and basically it's the job of the seeker to catch the golden snitch. And uh, effectively when the golden snitch is caught, uh, the team gets 150 points um added to their score and as the golden snitch gets caught the game does come to an end and as i said before the team with the most score um highest score at the end wins <laughs> yeah it's a interesting concept of a sport and i think the fact that people manage to transfer it into a genuine sport um is also very very funny um i think before we like actually get into discussion and the fun part of this episode we do have to give the disclaimer of uh no one here is particularly a big fan of jk rowling and any of her takes especially the transphobic ones um and this episode is not an endorsement of her it is more to talk about a sport that actually has managed to break away from her once it became uh transferred into real life because Quidditch uh, in real life is very LGBT inclusive, in particular towards trans and non-binary people. So they, just like us, gave JK Rowling the middle finger, but we wanted to do something fun for April Fools. Um, and there's nothing better than Quidditch to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so you're right that, uh, you know, Quidditch has been translated into a real life sport now and uh, sort of created around the year of 2005 as well. Uh, so obviously inspired by the fictional game from the Harry Potter books. Um, but, you know, much the same, I guess, you know, it still includes seven players from each team. They are mounted on a broomstick and sort of just, you know, walk around or run around the pitch. And, um, you know, it's sort of the same. You've got the same number of players, same uh, positions, same sort of balls that each player uses and same method of scoring. So I think that it has translated really well. I think the funniest part of this iteration of the sport is the concept of the golden snitch. <laughs> um, the golden snitch is basically a person uh, who dresses up as the golden snitch and runs around and um, obviously the seeker still tries to catch them. But um, yeah, I think that that's just, um, you know, it's in a little bit of a way a bit uh, hilarious in terms of seeing someone dressed head to toe in gold and, you know, with wings, you know, and all this sort of stuff to, um, you know, emulate, I guess, the appearance of um, the golden snitch in the books and the movies, um, you know, into someone looking like that in real life, I guess. And, uh, yeah, just running around trying to dodge different players as well. And, you know, the seekers are trying to do the same. <laughs> Can you imagine if they got someone like Usain Bolt to be the golden <laughs> snitch? It's just how absurdly difficult that would become for the people that are the seekers. I just, that idea tickles me. Um, I guess- Wait, 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 pause. Imagine Usain Bolt dressing up in all gold with wings. <laughs> you can't just say that and not mention the very fundamental aesthetic of it. He'd look incredible, but don't mm. get me wrong. It, it It's a look worthy of Usain Bolt. I mean, he's, yeah. won, he's won enough. 
He's won enough gold medals that I reckon he could be the golden snitch. Yeah. He's got <laughs> gold medals as the snitch rather than a yeah. tennis ball. Um, I mean, I guess <laughs> we should probably talk about like Quidditch in the movies and the books mm-hmm. at least a little bit at first. Um, so in the movies, it's a little bit different to the books because they've left out some significant Quidditch plot lines. They did not leave out everyone's favourite himbo, Oliver Wood, though, and his deep, deep love for Quidditch. Um, probably one of the most iconic Quidditch-related moments in the early movies is Oliver Wood being like, you can't cancel Quidditch. Meanwhile, like, someone's just been petrified. <laughs> Professor McGonagall. This match has been cancelled. We can't cancel Quidditch. Silence, Wood. You and your teammates will go to Gryffindor Tower now. Yeah, and I think the first instance that we get, um, you know, from Quidditch is Oliver Wood teaching Harry about the game as well. Quidditch is easy enough to understand. Each team has seven players, three chasers, two beaters, one keeper, and the seeker. That's you. Um, and, you know, he's obviously yeah, telling Harry and explaining the rules, which is really good, um, you know, in the movies, I guess, as well, in terms of informing the viewer about the rules of Quidditch from the start as well, before they get into that Gryffindor-Slytherin match where you first sort of see the game being played properly. And, uh, yeah, I think even Oliver Wood there, sort of like explaining everything to Harry and, um, you know, Harry just being really clued in about his his role and, you know, obviously um, McGonagall and Oliver Wood um, see Harry as a seeker um, as well and yeah I think that's really good to just see Harry uh, sort of in that element and you know having that understanding of what his role is and um, I think for me like seeing Harry see the golden snitch for the first time as well and just like being really like you know eyes are like looking at that snitch and then like you see Oliver Wood in the background just like looking up and everywhere for it um, I don't know if you two saw like there was a um, coin toss in like an AFL game, um, I think last week, and the person doing the coin toss like flipped up the coin and then like just started looking around in the air, like seemingly trying to find the coin. It reminded me of Oliver Wood trying to look for the golden snitch. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and obviously in the series, the golden snitch takes on this like added layer of significance and like throughout the rest of the story. But can you imagine that happening in like an actual sport where you're like, open the football and all of a sudden you get like some kind of secret code (laughs) i mean that's one of those weird things that like only gets introduced into the seventh book as like a thing that is actually possible um and that's i think a little bit the author writing themselves into a hole and just not knowing what to do and like how to present this object um to harry but at the same time like it is funny that he still caught that first snitch in his mouth and nearly swallowed it. So, like, you know. He's got the snitch! Harry Potter receives 150 points for catching the snitch! Uh, pluses and minuses there. Um, I think also another funny thing that doesn't translate as well as far as Quidditch is concerned in real life because it's not as drastic is in the books in the movies to catch the snitch is worth 150 points um, whereas in real life Quidditch it is only worth 30 points so the 
Victor Crumb has caught the snitch but Ireland win uh, moment is it's not as monumental when it's not a 150 point deficit you're trying to make up it's just a 30 point deficit um but still like that and then leading into it the following scene because you don't actually see Crumb <laughs> catch the snitch mm. but Ron Weasley being like there's no one like Crumb <laughs> and like the <laughs> mocking that happens afterwards Makes me laugh to this day. There's no one like Crumb. Crumb? Dumb Crumb. It's like a bird the way he rides the wind. He's more than an athlete. He's an artist. I think you're in love, Ron. Shut up. Lictor, I love you. Lictor, I do. When we're apart, my heart beats only for you. Sounds like the Irish got their pride on. Yeah, I think that whole sequence of, like, the Quidditch World Cup, um, you know, is one of my favourite scenes in the whole series um and especially uh, seeing that being uh you know visual in terms of the movie as well um it just sort of yeah highlighted the enormity of like an event that could happen um you know of a quidditch world cup where uh national teams compete and so many people actually attend um and ease of attending just by you know accessing a port key um (laughs) but i think that yeah, that's something that has also translated into real life as well, because there has been some Quidditch World Cups um, throughout the years and, yeah, run by the International Quidditch Association. And we'll focus on the Australian participation as well, because Australia does have a national Quidditch team. And, um, you know, in a bit of hilarity for Australians as well, especially because they will understand this reference and I'm sure international uh, guests would understand this reference as well. Um, The nickname for the Australian national Quidditch team is the drop bears um, who are a very real species of animal uh, in Australia. (laughs) I was also going to say exactly that. So like. (laughs) Um, Australia's record at these events they first competed in the 2012 summer games and came third out of five teams then they competed in the 2014 global games and came second out of seven so improving by one but then they also improved by one spot and took out first place at the 2016 world cup in germany and that was when the uh, competition expanded as well to 21 teams so to be able to um you know keep up with an extra 14 teams from two years ago at that particular games or that particular world event Um, and yeah continue to be so strong that they advanced on their position again and came first is really good Um, just rounding that out they finished fifth out of 29 at the 2018 world cup but overall really good results for the drop bears yeah um, clearly better at quidditch than we are at soccer so you know (laughs) that's where our funding should actually be going sorry football australia it's all going to go to the drop bears from now on because we're actually <laughs> seeing success. So I think in the spirit of um, the message that we're trying to send out with real life Quidditch and the wonderful LGBTQ representation that's in it, that they really should put a bid in to include Quidditch in um, an event that I discovered and I think is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard, the gay game. I which is it. Oh, yes. oh, it's just... <laughs> It, it fits so well. It's just an event full of rainbows in like every single sport. And Quidditch, it's perfect. 
I I think it's an added like F you to JK Rowling, which love to see it. That's fabulous. Um, but also because trans inclusion, non-binary inclusion, and also just um balanced teams is so important uh in Quidditch, it would be the ideal place for it to go because I think that there's no realistic assumption and we are olympics nut jobs we are regularly on the other podcast descending olympus that the edge of the crowd has um can i just the the outrage if it was at the olympics like people hated three on three basketball like if it was quidditch they'd lose their damn minds but at the gay games people would be like this is the best thing ever <laughs> um I mean, that's where we get same-sex ice dancing and that sort of thing. So, you know. Additionally, like, when it comes to the gender equality, which isn't something that is strict in the um, books at all, um, I think even in the, like, Harry Potter world, there's, like, all-female teams. Uh, When it comes to the Quidditch rules, there is actually a four-maximum rule. So four... Uh, athletes of any gender is the maximum you can have on the field per team at any one time. Um, you also have a roster of like 21 athletes. So you better have more than like three men or three women or three non-binary people. Um, Cause otherwise, I don't know, you're not being particularly inclusive. <laughs> Good rule to have for any kind of sport where you are accepting and opening up for um, a, a, a co-ed team of any kind to be like we would like some equality please 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 but um I know that like even when you were talking before Jason describing the sport when you say like oh the fans of it even in the books are kind of like football fans um I think that that's true both in the ways of how the Quidditch World Cup is because like just the sheer amount of people trying to go to the World Cup definitely for sure but then also and it's in the fifth book but I think you only actually kind of sort of see it in the sixth movie um the Slytherins bullying Ron Weasley by singing Weasley is our king um for like a portion of the book I think that like that song actually gets like repeated about four or five times throughout the books um that's one of those moments where you're like this is like classic English football kind of stuff because they love a good song the English are very musical people when it comes to their sports songs um and to like if you go to an English football match like they just make up songs seemingly on the spot that are genius and you're like yeah this is great but how does everyone around me suddenly know this when they only made it up like two seconds ago (laughs) they all just have the heckle gene what can we do (laughs) Yeah, I think that's where you really see like the fans come out, um, especially I think, yeah, besides that sort of first instance that where you see it being played, um, where they do focus on the fans a lot. Um, I think, yeah, this instance uh, in Half-Blood Prince, I think really like, yeah, typifies how um, how much the fans really get into the game um, and really like, yeah, start to chant on uh, the representatives from their uh, team and their house and uh yeah I guess like yeah that you know Ron Weasley game I guess in terms of yeah just the amount of um you know the big performance that he put in um in that instance to warrant a chant of his name and be hailed as a king and all this sort of stuff um yeah I think just again like you said um you know if you want to compare it to soccer um, soccer fans are very notorious for making up chants on the spot or 
um, really like honing in on one player's performance or one player in a team and making chance up about them um, sort of like nonstop as well. So I think that, yeah, that was really the instance where that comparison could be drawn. Yeah, and I think um, like the reclamation of a chant that was like started as a nasty chant but ended up being like a good chant for the team. Weasley Zacking is an obvious example. And I think that translates in Ted Lasso in particular mm -hmm. because I think it's that they're calling him like a dickhead or something like that. And it starts as like a mean chant and it's just, I think them saying like dickhead over and over again. To the fans at home, we do apologize for the fruity language. And then by the end of the match, it's like celebratory. And it's just like, this is silly. Yeah, okay. Wait, same word, ain't it? Yeah, it's different. Yeah, kind of like back in the 80s, bad meant good. Um, additionally, something that Australian fans will be very familiar with is in the books, the commentary of Lee Jordan and just the blatantly biased commentary. Um, Australian AFL fans and NRL fans are very familiar with just like commentary there where it's like, you should not be allowed to commentate this team ever. <laughs> Like ever, like you've got your Matthew Pavliches when it comes to less so commentating Freeman or more commentating West Coast because he hates them, um, or Eddie Maguire commentating Collingwood, Nick Rewell commentating the Saints. Um, it, it less common in the NRL. It's just everyone hates all the commentators it seems, but just the blatant biases. You're like, <laughs> this is something that Australian audiences understand. And I don't think it translates as well um, in, say, like the United States, because their NFL commentary is generally pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you'd think that maybe for, you know, a big Quidditch match that they'd just have like a proper commentator that's, you know, not biased or anything like that. But um, no, they get someone, you know, from Gryffindor and Lee Jordan and Gryffindor, the main, you know, house represented um throughout most of the uh, series so yeah there'd definitely be a bit of bias there <laughs> but although like given that it is happening in like uh ostensibly a high school I do not want to hear any of my high school like fellow students try to commentate a sport that I'm watching that is not the kind of sports fantasy that I'm like willing to like translate into my reality I don't think it will go particularly well no, I think that like there's, and it's definitely like because that's a class clown type character as well yeah. that ends up commentating. So like some of them went to a co-ed school, like there is that element of like yeah, it does work and it's funny, um, but there is also like getting very tired of it very quickly, um, especially because I don't think we handle Australians being bogans very well, and it it is very chavy in the sense of like how he acts um, in reacting to what's happening and just openly screaming at the ref or screaming at the opposition players but like would you really want a Severus Snape type character to be the person that's commentating the game <laughs> no probably not <laughs> um, but yeah I think that yeah I, I think that that wouldn't go down in like Australian sports at all I mean, like, obviously we have, like, stadium announcers, like, you know, after, um, you know, in the NRL, like, after a try is scored, they'll be, you know, saying something about who scored it and all this sort of stuff and, you know, leading a few chants. But to do that um, so consistently throughout a game and, 
I just, yeah, I can't imagine like any form of commentary itself playing over a live sport while I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also it's not though like a hundred meters up in the air. So mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing also. <laughs> I feel like we should probably talk about the real sport a little bit more because other than like the fact that the snitch is worth less, um, scoring with the quaffle is worth the same amount. But I thought, I think what's really interesting is like the effects of the bludger in the real sport because they're like dodgeballs, um, which we don't really use in Australia, but <laughs> you know what I mean uh, when I say a dodgeball. Um, and basically the beaters just throw them at people. There's three instead of two, but there's four beaters on the field at any one time. So like there's a little bit of strategy that's going to that. And if you get hit with the bludger, you have to drop your boot, you have to drop your broom and drop whatever ball you have in your possession. So say if you had the quaffle in your possession um, and then go and run back and touch your, one of your hoops um, and then you can enter play again. And I just found that really interesting in the sense of like, it is that question of like, how do you implement that? But the way that they've done it is a genuinely creative way where it's like, it's not useless. Like it's not just something that doesn't translate at all. Granted, you can't like knock people out. <laughs> which is a good thing with the bludgers, but it adds that element without being like, oh, it's useless. Like we just did it because it's still there. Yeah. Um, obviously like the nature of Quidditch is that it's like three sports lumped into one. And there's like a lot to watch at all times um, in such a sport where you're like, like if you were to like go to a Quidditch match and you were going to try to watch like it'd be very like for me I would think it'd be quite a like a like a, a chaotic watching experience because there's so much going on at the same time and there's so many things that people can do in order to like win points lose points etc so you're like oh what am I supposed to see at least in the real life version because you've got um the role of kind of the the bludger um is being kind of like condensed in this way. And then the snitch is a person that is pretty hard to ignore. Whereas like in actual Quidditch, it's like teeny tiny. So you're just like, probably like if you tried to watch that, you'd just be watching like two wizards going mad, um, trying to like chase something that you can't see. Um, and then otherwise you're just watching for the quaffle. And it does seem like you can much more easily keep track of all those elements in the real life version than you probably could if there was like another dimension added into it. The field is so much bigger by like the looks of it whenever you watch the movies. And also therefore like some, like the balls are like relatively smaller as well. Um, it just gets to become like so much more. And like, that's why like in terms of translating it, some of it's like logistically speaking, we just can't do that for like safety or for like physics <laughs> um, reasons, like in this reality. But like in other ways, it's um, at least they've actually kind of like realized and acknowledged that there are some kinds of things that wouldn't make real life Quidditch that pleasant to watch for some viewers um, and how to remedy that. It's also apparently just a really fun sport to play. Anyone that I know that's played it loves playing it. Um, and it's just like 
you think that it's so dumb when you first start playing, especially running around with a broom between your legs. But once you like actually get the hang of it, it's brilliant. Um, and I think that's why it's grown in popularity enough, a little bit based off nostalgia and love for a book and movie series, but also based off the fact that it's fun because 29 countries wouldn't be competing in a World Cup in 2018, so pre-pandemic, um, if it wasn't fun to play. Um, you like it just doesn't grow like that, especially as like a new sport and a fantasy-based sport. Like it's one of those things. It's hard to get like twenty countries to like established sporting World Cups that like have some level of funding towards them. Um, meanwhile, little old Quidditch, which doesn't have a lot of money behind it at all, and like countries have had to drop out because registration fees are too high for the World Cups. It's getting twenty nine teams at its fourth ever uh world cup event yeah and i think i echo that like it does look like a fun sport and like i've never you know played it or anything like that either um but i know that my uni did have a quidditch team as well and so you know sometimes you'd just be walking the grounds and you'd see them training or something like that and it looked really interesting as well and then um you know i umpire softball in the winter as well and at the same park, there are people playing Quidditch as well. And so like, you know, you just can't help but stop and look. And, you know, sometimes I have gone up to like where they're actually playing properly and look, have a bit of a closer look at it. Um, and yeah, it does like seem like nonsense at first, but I think like if you obviously understand the sort of concept of the game and the rules and where it sort of originates from and how they've translated it into real life, you sort of understand then, um, yeah, just that, you know, they have sort of made it work for real life and um, they've taken this inspiration from uh, this series and they've translated it really well into real life and made it their own, base, like basically their own sport. I mean, what we normally do is the most relatable character from the films. <laughs> Um, but I guess well, how do we change it? Let's go with like, what is your, who is your favorite uh, Quidditch player from the Harry Potter books slash movies <laughs> and why? I'll, I'll start with the mine is Oliver Wood. He is a dumb himbo that cares about Quidditch and Quidditch alone. And that is something I can appreciate. <laughs> if I had to pick, himbo Oliver Wood is like an excellent choice, I think. Um, but if I were to kind of pick based on like what I've seen of them play, because the problem is you don't like, especially in the movies, like I would want to pick Ginny Weasley, but I, like you don't see enough of her. Ginny Weasley also kind of sucks in the movies, whereas she's awesome in the books. So Exactly. And I'm that? like, oh, Shut it! oh, girl crush Ginny Weasley, like of the Hollyhead Harpies is like such a vibe. But then like, if you're going to like base it on like the playing that you see of them, um, I would probably say that I'll be going for like the duo of the Winsley, the Weasley twins, just wreaking havoc by being twins on the pitch at the same time in the same position and just using that as a tactical strategy to confuse the opposite, <laughs> the opposing team. I think that's like 
absolute genius to like just be like I don't know like like who knows maybe they were both just talented beaters but even if they're not if you were Oliver Wood you'd be like okay both of your beaters like that's that on that you'll figure out how to do it if you don't figure it out just like mess around and find out and it will be amazing because like even if you do something wrong the fact that there's two of you is already going to be the best part of all of this. I feel like it's like going off like on aggregate what are you guys better at like as beaters or chasers because they would also be very effective as chasers that are identical twins where it's like there's two people that look the same and then there's one other person that doesn't yeah I think that for mine um it would be Angelina Johnson she was one of the core members of that team that uh when Harry first joined the Gryffindor team she was the captain once Oliver Wood left Hogwarts as well and I think that for her like the reason why she's my favorite is just because um um I think when Umbridge kicks out Harry Fred and George from the team um you know three of her best players um she um in a new captaincy um she could have really crumbled under pressure especially when Ron was just new to the keeper role as well so um I think that they won the Quidditch Cup that week that year as well and so I think that if they, she had all that going against her she still proved to be a really good captain and obviously a really good player so um she's my pick yeah I'd also say like shout out to Cedric Diggory rest in peace He was also a Quidditch seeker, pretty iconic. Also, like having Cho Chang as his girlfriend, who's also a seeker, ultimate power couple at Hogwarts, clearly. Um, but I also wanted to point out the fact that it is hilarious to me that there is actually a concept of performance enhancing drugs in Quidditch, being that like the Felix Felicis, which is like the good luck potion, um, is considered a performance enhancing drug, so you're not allowed to use it. That's crazy. <laughs> I just, it's it like weird little things that get added in to the yeah, like books like, and movies where I'm just like, that's dumb, but I love when, it. When you think of like the purpose of that as well, like you're like, how will that, you know, change the game of Quidditch mostly? Yeah. Yeah. Like I think like although I can imagine it just being like in the same way that probably like performance enhancing drugs can you can imagine a lot of scenarios early on probably in the history of Quidditch where they tried it and like the luck would manifest in different ways so if like you know um a keeper had to be Felix uh Felices, it would be like oh yeah they might be really good at like defending the goals but maybe like that team seeker is just having the worst day and just like you're just exhausted just constantly on the field and you can't go off because this game is just not going to end I mean I'd also add additionally with the Felix Felicis if a beater took it that is probably the most chaotic thing possible because presumably it's just like anytime you hit it, you just straight up knock someone out. Um, which A, dangerous, and maybe that's the real reason why they stopped being allowed to use it. But B, it's just like, what? <laughs> like, you don't intend to like maim and seriously injure when you hit the beat, uh, when you hit the bludger. <laughs> yeah, like obviously it's a performance enhancing drug targeted at seekers mostly, but then you can still have a um, 
but Ireland won. <laughs> so you know, all you all you gotta do, all you gotta do. So we thought we'd change up the final segment for tonight, um, and make it a little bit more funky. And that is, if you could take a sport from a work of fiction, um, so Quidditch is obviously the prime example, and turn it into a real life sport. What sport would it be? All right. Yes. So for my uh, fictional sport that I would like to see translated onto the big screen. Uh, this actually comes from a video game. So uh, it comes from a video game called The Simpsons Tapped Out, which is a mobile game. And the name of the sport is called Tap Bull. Um, so it's a game invented by Homer Simpson from the cartoon The Simpsons. Um, and it's built as a combination of many sports and um, you know, as you play it on the video game, on the uh, game itself, on the phone, um, the text reads, the only equipment you need is a smartphone, 13 balls of varying size, bats made of glass, some chalk to mark the many end zones, a quaffle, so related to Quidditch, there you go, and Kevlar body armour. Um, the rules aren't very clear at all. Um, as you know, it is a sort of made up game, I guess. Um, but I will read out a couple of them. Um, rule one, a three-point shot is worth five points. Um, rule three, with one minute to go in the eighth quarter, the score is always tied, so it's more exciting. Um, every player must keep both feet on the floor at all times. When running, a hand must also be on the floor. Uh, only the player with the ball may cry. Um, <laughs> no running over other players with a foreign-made car. Um, any person who isn't smiling gets ejected and receives a lifetime ban. Um, so it's just, you know, obviously anything goes. And I think that if it was sort of to be laid out um, with like specific sort of rules and, um, you know, there's obviously uh, not, there's 67 rules it says here with sub rules and clarifications, but more got added on. Yeah, so I think that if you were to lay out you know, a specific sort of plan of what all the rules would be and the particular like style and how the game actually runs. I think that you could definitely create this sport in, you know, a bigger sense and uh, showcase this particular sport on the big screen. Interesting. Um, I'll go next. I've also stuck with the theme of like Matt Groening projects because I went with a Futurama um, sport. (laughs) And that is Blurns Ball. Yeah, the Blurns are loaded, the counts three Blurns and two anti-Blurns, and the infield Blurn rule is in effect, right? Except for the word Blurn, that was complete gibberish. Which is, they like basically decided that baseball's too boring and decided to give some modern <laughs> rules. Uh, the biggest improvement, or improvement by their definition, is that the ball is now tied to the pitch by an elastic tether, so makes me think of Ted the ball a little bit um and then also there is a giant tarantula (laughs) giant tarantula that helps ferry the balls about um there's also multi-ball play where suddenly balls start flying everywhere while the batter floats over the bases (laughs) on a motorcycle multi-ball multi-ball I don't know. I think that like 
maybe less so the giant tether uh sorry <laughs> less so the giant tarantula that it's not for everyone that's for sure um but changing baseball where it's like a hyper elastic um tether it just sounds like oh we've got a third version you've got baseball you've got socket softball and now you've got balloons ball where there is a limit to how far it can stretch and I think in Bloomsburg to get a home run, the actual tether has to snap, <laughs> like which I think happens in one game whenever they play it on the show. Sounds funky. Once again, like like the, the real challenge there is going to be trying to figure out how you're going to like replace the tarantula with whatever it is you're going to replace it because you're going to need something to ferry the ball, and ideally, it's not going to be a human at risk. <laughs> Maybe it's a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> a giant Roomba? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, no, no. You get a Roomba and you put a costume on the Roomba. Duh. Oh my god. That's what you do. A it's a mascot now. It doesn't, well, like, it doesn't need to be. Imagine a Roomba dressed as Bing Duen Duen burying balls in your Don't bloom. Break ball. my heart talking about Bing Duen Duen. I just I miss him. Okay. <laughs> All right, what about your yeah. sport look, turned into look, a real sport? Y'all, like, my, the thing that I've learned through trying to think about this is that you should never um, underestimate the nerds because I was <laughs> I was just like, oh, easy, poo sticks, done. And then I find out that there was a World Poo Sticks Championships <laughs> that's been <laughs> happening in England since 1984 and that there used to be an Oxford Poo Sticks Society citation needed on wikipedia but i want you to think about like every single impression you have of oxford and then think about the fact that they had a poo stick society i'm googling this right now <laughs> yes do because this is what the british people are up to y'all they're making up heckling chants and they're going to world poo sticks championships this is why the Irish say the Brits are at it again. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, I thought this was going to be a fun joke. But then actually, not only is it a real sport, it is also like Quidditch taken seriously to a degree that I'd never expected. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you've cheated because you've picked an existing sport. <laughs> Accidentally, I did not expect it to exist as a sport. Like, I expected it to exist as a game. I didn't expect it to exist as a world championship event. 30, 35 <laughs> annual championships. The most recent was in 2018. Whoa. <laughs> Holy moly. Anyway, yeah, so now that that's out of the cards, um, and Jason, you've mentioned video games, so I'm just going to go with Mario Kart because I'm not a psycho, so I'm not going to say Squid Game or Hunger Games. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be psychotic. Mm -hmm. I do like the idea of the power-ups. <laughs> In yeah. particular, just being able to throw bananas, <laughs> banana peels down. I feel like you've got to eat the banana. Like, yeah. who was the driver? Yeah. Still have to eat the banana before you can throw it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do also wonder how you do the blue shell, but that sounds awesome. I would just be interested in being like this invincible, like rainbow silhouette thing and like barging through other people. <laughs> or turning into the bullet bill. Yeah. <laughs> the 
someone's gonna do it one day and then we'll be able to talk about it on girls on film yeah 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 yeah. i, d- yeah. I just want a real life rainbow road to be invented actually <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it is <laughs> That's the real danger. Um, Jason, do you want to end the episode? <laughs> uh, no, no, we're going to so keep much fun. <laughs> World Acoustics Championships. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to spiral at me talking about the fact that marble racing is actually a real sport, and I enjoyed it during lockdown. <laughs> I mean, that is a real sport, so whatever. Exactly, and I did enjoy Jason. it during Jason, the episode. I will stop. Please. I will bring an end to this madness. Uh, Jackie and Michelle, if people want to search for you on social media, where can they find you? You can find me at dodzu161 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Please follow me. Otherwise, I'll do like blammo at you. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle? Sorry, I'm recovering from being blammoed, clearly. Anyway, you can find me at m.ch.ll.g on Instagram and m underscore ch underscore ll underscore g double underscore on Twitter. Um, so I enjoy doing that. I did write it out for you, so hopefully that helped. <laughs> and you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Jace Irves. You've been listening to Girls on Film. You can find Girls on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Girls on Film Pod. Girls on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Edge of the Crowd. Uh, You can also view any of our stories, be them sport or culture-based, at www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I've almost started crying. (laughs) The (laughs) blammo.